people tonight for a few minutes over to the book of Exodus tonight. Uh, the book of Exodus tonight, we want to read the, about the first 14 verses of the third chapter of the book of Exodus tonight. And uh, Genesis is the book of beginnings. And uh, Exodus, they begin to make their Exodus out of Egypt. And uh, Numbers is the book of the uh, Numbers. Uh, it's all about Numbers in the book of Numbers. And Deuteronomy gives us the law. Now, them first five books of the Bible, uh, we call the Pentateuch, and uh, they are, uh, you got to know them to know the rest of your Bible. In uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible said, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Media, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of Rick. I added that. He said, And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt. Aren't you glad God is seeing what we're going through down here? And he said, I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large into a land flowing with milk and honey into the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perzites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites. It's a bunch of sites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Does your prayers do any good? God said they come before him. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Surely I will be with thee. Don't matter who you are if he's with you. You don't have to be nothing but a nobody if he's with you. Moses said, Who am I, Lord? that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, and I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto thee. You may be seated. Our fathers, we come tonight, Lord. Our hearts is overjoyed tonight before we got to church. And certainly, Lord, after we come into the church, our heart is overjoyed and thrilled tonight, Lord, to think upon the God of heaven. Thank you for the good singing tonight by the congregation, the good singing tonight by Brother Bill, and the songs that ministered unto our heart. And truly, Lord, uh, we remember when our life was in shambles until you came along. And we can say tonight that you are without a doubt, Lord, the best thing that ever happened to me. And uh, fathers, we come tonight to look into your word. Would you have something to say to us tonight that might help us tonight? Lord, I pray, 
Lord, give me the meat of the sermon. Uh, Lord, give me the introduction. Help me to know when it's enough and to quit. And Lord, I pray tonight that you'd season all of it out of heaven tonight, that we might leave tonight and feel like the Lord has been here and spoken to us and helped us tonight. God, I pray. Forgive me of my sins and my failures, and thank you for bringing me this far, Lord, into 2020. And we bless the name of Jesus tonight. Amen and amen. Moses is 80 years old. I know that looks like it's old, ain't it? But it's been 40 years since that he left Pharaoh back in Exodus chapter 2. And uh, we could go back into the background of it in chapter 1. tells about how they went down in there to Egypt. They got a new Pharaoh. And then chapter 2 uh, tells us that after Pharaoh had told them to kill uh, all the uh, Hebrew babies, the boys, to kill them all. And we get down in chapter 2, and Moses' life is spared. And, uh, and we read there through verses uh, 10 there, chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And then by the time we get to verse 11, Moses is grown. Verse 11, he's grown, and he kills a man. And when he kills a man, he's doing it to try to protect his people. But when he kills this man, uh, somebody has seen him, and uh, he went back, and there were two, two of Hebrews fighting, striving together, and he broke them up. And uh, one of them said, Who made thee a prince, a judge over us? Are thou intending to kill us as thou killest the Egyptian? And so Moses said, Somebody's seen me do it. And uh, so he fled. He fled, and he went. Of course, the Lord's in every bit of it. And he left, and he went over to where we're at in chapter 3, and he's been there for 40 years. He's been on the backside of a desert. He's 80 years old. And would you believe it that at 80 years old, he has a fresh encounter with God? Now, perhaps you come in tonight and you're thinking, I'm too old for God to do anything with me or for me. But Moses was 80 years old when he had a fresh encounter with God and he did his greatest work after he was 80 years old. And uh, it's this encounter that Moses had with God that I want to look at tonight just for a few minutes. I think we need a fresh encounter with God, don't you? Uh, I don't think there's anybody here tonight or this morning or last week or last Sunday morning I don't think there's anybody in this time that we're living in tonight that couldn't use a fresh encounter with God. And I like this story because it gives me hope. It, I like this story because it lets me know that, that anybody and everybody can have a fresh encounter with God. Now I want to say three things about this encounter with uh, God that Moses had. And, uh, and it won't be long, but I want to give you three things tonight about it. And the first thing I want to say is it was unexpected. Moses was not expecting to have an encounter with God. Can I tell you that the few greatest times, encounters, if you will, that I've had with God, I wouldn't expect in it. Amen. God showed up in an unlikely place at an unlikely time when I wasn't expecting God to show up I, and I had an encounter with God. Amen. Other than salvation, I think my greatest encounter with God was up in the old building in the back Sunday school room many, many years ago. And uh, that morning, uh, down and out and depressed and about ready to give it up, I had an encounter with God. Amen. It wasn't, and uh, it wasn't expected. It was unexpected. But I want you to know that if you have an encounter with God, it'll do something for you. Uh, amen. And the Bible said here in Exodus 3 and verse 1 and 2, said the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. And it turns out that that angel of the Lord is the Lord himself. Uh, whenever you read that term, the angel of the Lord uh, uh, that is the Lord, and it's uh, it's what we call a theopathy. It's an appearance of Christ in the in the Old Testament, uh, 
And uh, so anytime you read that, the angel of the Lord, it is the Lord. You say, how do you know that? Well, the Bible said that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him out of a bush there out of the fire in verse 2. And then in verse 4 it said, when the Lord saw, he turned aside. And so it was the Lord uh, that was there in that bush. And, uh, and Moses was not expecting the Lord to show up. He's on the back side of the back 40. He's back there. Now, uh, I don't think Moses is away from God. I, uh, I think Moses has kept up his relationship and fellowship with God uh, uh, because he had a godly background. Now, we know there that his mother and father, they raised him for a little while. Not long, but they raised him for a little while and then they took him down there as the heat got on and they was afraid uh, uh, that they was going to find him and kill him uh, and they prayed about what to do. I can see them sitting there in their living room if they had one and I can see them sitting there thinking, Oh God, what are we going to do? God give us a plan. Uh, and God said, Well, said, uh, make your little ark uh, and said take that little ark and put pitch on it lay that little boy in that ark uh, and take him down to the river there and shove him out into the river and I guess that they thought man don't sound like much of a plan but that's what God said do and so they did it Amen. and the Bible said they took him down there and they, they put him in there and they put him in that river full of alligators and uh, full of everything else and there that little baby they shoved him off and there that little baby goes down uh, uh, that river there and that little ark uh, and he goes down through there uh, and uh, about that time God tells a, uh, God tells a, a, a sweat bee to land on that little baby and bite it and it does uh, and uh, that little baby goes wah wah you said I didn't see that in my Bible that's in the Hebrew And when that little baby got to crying out of the providence of God, yeah. there come walking down through there the very daughter of Pharaoh. Yeah. And she come down through there and she heard that little baby crying. She said, that sounds like a baby crying. And she told her handmaiden to go down there and get it for her. And she went down there and got that little baby and brought it back up there. I lifted it up out of the ark, handed it to Pharaoh's daughter. And she got that little baby in her arms and she looked down at it. And that little baby looked up and said, goo, goo, ga, ga. And her heart was melted. You see, it was all of God. And God says, the nurse said, hey, you want me to go get somebody to nurse it for you and take care of it and she said yeah and as God would have it she went down there and got the very mother the very mother of Moses to come back and to raise her own baby but it gets better than that the Bible said take the child away nurse it for me and I will give thee thy wages pretty good deal get paid for raising your own kid amen and so they raised him there. And of course they taught him about God. They taught him about uh, Jehovah. They taught him about uh, the Hebrew God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Uh, uh, they taught him about God. Uh, and they put that in his little heart. Uh, you know the best time to get something in a child uh, is when they're young. Get it in their heart while they're young. Carry them to Sunday school. Training union, youth group, get God in their heart while they're young. And you know what? They won't forget it when they get old. And so Moses grows up, he kills that man, he goes to the back 40, and he gets a job tending sheep. And so he's back there tending them sheep and taking care. He's really just doing his job that he does every day. And he has a divine encounter with God. You know when God usually meets people, it's in an unexpected way. And it's in a, it's in a place where that you wouldn't expect God to show up. You see the place was the backside of the desert and the mountain of God. That mountain's Horeb. That mountain is where that, that one day God will give Moses the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And so we know that Moses 
is on the back 40, but he's in the vicinity of God. It's good to stay in the vicinity of God. It's good to stay in church. Amen. Good to stay around God's people. Good to go to camp meetings, revivals, and preachers' fellowships. It's good to stay in the vicinity of God. You say, why? Because you never know when God might show up unexpectedly. The place was the back 40. Did you know when God called me to preach? Do you know where I finally got the call at? On the top deck of, of uh, what was 512. Yeah, you say, what's 512? Well, these fellows worked at Donnelly's. No, it's a, it's a printing press. And we was on maintenance that day, and that old press room was so noisy that you had to wear earplugs, mandatory. You got to wear earplugs. And if you didn't wear them, you, you probably about now wished you had them. Because it was so noisy in there that you couldn't, you couldn't even, you, you couldn't hear each other talk. It's the noise in there. And our press was down on maintenance, but the others were running. But you know that day, I had a divine encounter with God. Amen. Up there on 512, working on one of them units, I, uh, back 40, if you will, just everyday routine thing that I've done every day. God showed up. Hey. I had a divine encounter with God. I've been begging the Lord for months. Lord, I'll, I'll do it if you want me to do it. I think you're making a mistake, but I'll do it. But I just got to know it's you. And up there on that old press, it got as quiet to me that I could have heard a pin drop. And the Lord said, you've been wanting to know if it's me. Now you know, now go. And I was crying so hard, I come down the, uh, the steps there, and I met uh, Kathy's husband, my brother-in-law. I met him, I was crying so hard when I passed him, I couldn't even talk, and I, I wasn't supposed to get off till 7, it was about 2. And I went out and got my car, and uh, on the way to work that morning, I had an old eight-track tape in the car, uh, the car of the Chris family, and they were singing that song, uh, and it's a song about Moses, and he says, Lord, I'll follow thee. Wherever you want me to go, I will follow thee. And when I put that in, that thing began to play, and I went down to my preacher's house and knocked on the door and fell in the floor, and I said, God has called me to preach. Amen. That was a divine encounter with God. I wasn't expecting God to show up and God to do that that day. Now you can have an encounter with God. You don't have to be called to preach. You can have an encounter with God because you just need to. Amen. Everybody needs a fresh encounter with God. And Moses had one because he's in the right place. He's in the vicinity of God. He has the right parents. They had taught him about God. His parents said when he was born, he said he's a goodly child. The cross reference in the center of the Schofield Bible over in the book of Acts chapter 7 in Stephen's sermon, it says that many was a favored child. That mom and dad, they recognized that this child was favored to God. You know, I think every child's favored to God. I think every child God smiles on and God has a plan for them, but sometimes it never works out because their parents ain't right and because of a thousand other things. But Moses had the right parents, and God's going to use Moses. It's going to take a while. You say, why? Because Moses, even though he had the right parents and he's in the right place, Moses has a problem. Moses has the same problem that every one of us has. Moses had too much Egypt in him. Moses had been Egyptianized, if you will. And God put him on the back 40 back there away from everybody, away from Pharaoh, away from all the heathen, away from all them back there in a quiet place on the back 40 and God's been getting Egypt out of him. You say, you say, what was his problem? Well, his first problem was the same problem that almost all of us have when we get with God is he thought he was somebody. 
Every young preacher thinks they're going to be the next Billy Graham. Amen. Every young preacher, when they pray, they can see the multitudes gathered out just waiting for them to give the word. And then when you get, that's the way it is when you're praying, but when you get into the pulpit, it's like this. You see, Moses thought he was somebody, and God had to put him on the back 40 before God could ever use him. He had to realize that though he thought he was somebody, he was a nobody. You know who God uses? A bunch of nobodies. Amen. The more nobody you are, the more God will use you. Amen. Brother Sheets used to say, as long as you're, as long as you're anything, God cannot be everything. Amen. I, and so he got Moses back there, and there he is back there thinking he, uh, at one time, he had position, power, uh, political prestige. He could have followed in the steps of Pharaoh. And what's he doing? He's on the back 40 there, and he's taking care of a few sheep. Uh, and I'm sure after 40 years of sitting there, he felt like a nobody. Well, good. Uh, uh, when you and I start feeling like a nobody, we're about to get ready to become somebody for God. He was self-sufficient. You say, what do you mean? That problem with that, that man he killed, he was going to handle it himself. Turned out a mess. You know what usually happens when you and I try to handle problems ourselves? It turns out a mess. And do you know why that God lets it turn out a mess? I, because he's trying to teach us that you and I cannot be self-sufficient. Moses was the first independent Baptist. I don't need anybody. I can do it all myself. Uh, let me tell you something. I've told people this for years. They say, what does it mean to be an independent Baptist? Uh, I said, well, that means I, I don't belong to any associations. I, I don't have any hierarchy telling me what to do. But I, I said, it don't mean I'm independent. I need my Methodist friends, my Pentecostal friends, I, my Southern Baptist friends. I need all my friends to pray for me. Amen. I, I'm not independent from everybody else. I need all my friends. I need the prayers of those I love while traveling over life's rugged way. Moses found out he couldn't be self-sufficient and what he really needed more than anything else was God. God's teaching him that back there on that back. Back 40, God's teaching him that. And then he knew nothing about sheep. You know what Pharaoh and those people thought about shepherds? They were an abomination. The worst job you could possibly have was watching a bunch of sheep. The Bible says in Genesis that the people that, that watch sheep, shepherds if you will, the Bible said they were an abomination to the Egyptians. Do you know as far as this world's concerned, do you know the worst job that you can have in this world? I, is being a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader out to the world. That's an abomination and that's a waste of time. Amen. But you see, God put him back there for 40 years doing nothing but watching sheep. You know why? Because he's, God's going to use him to lead a million of them out of Egypt. He's got to know something about sheep. God's teaching him something. You know why God lets you go through what you went through? You know why God lets you go through what you're going through right now? God's going to use you to help somebody else that's done when they get there. God's going to use you because you done been there. God's going to show you something about how sheep hurt. God's going to show you something about how sheep need doctrine and how sheep need loving on and sheep need cleansing. God's going to teach you something about that because God's going to use you. And so Moses is back there and he has this experience with God and it was unexpected. 
but a welcome unexpected experience with God. Number two, the Bible said in verse two, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Number one, a divine encounter with God is unexpected. Number two, a divine encounter with God is unforgettable. Do you think that Moses ever forgot about this? You think there was ever a day in the life of Moses, even when he stood there and God told him he was going to die, you think he'd ever forgot about that meeting with God back there at the burning bush? And I'm sure there was a thousand times, Brother Eddie, that Moses said, I've had it with this bunch. I'm done with them. And Moses would go back there to that divine meeting that he had back there with God, that divine encounter. And Moses would say, well, I can't quit. I'm going to go on. Amen. I I want you to know there's been many times in my life, I'm sure Eddie's life, Sammy's life, I'm sure tonight, Brother Richie's life, anybody that's ever tried to pastor or do God's work, there's been many a time that you come to the place, you say, that's it, I'm done, I'm not going to do it no more, but then God takes you back and you remember that divine encounter you had with God and you couldn't forget it, you still can't forget it, you don't want to forget it, amen. The Bible said that Moses is back there and he can't forget it. Say, why can't he forget it? The Bible said the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire. First of all, there was the appearance. God didn't show up in a way that would look like Lance or Eddie or Bill or me. The Bible said God showed up in a flame of fire. And did you know that the Bible said about our God, that our God, that He is a consuming fire. Now don't judge that the wrong way. Don't think that God is is trying to consume you. God is trying to destroy you. That's not what that means. Uh, uh, You see, our God is a consuming fire. He's not trying to consume us. Uh, He's trying to consume all the stuff in us that ain't no good. Amen. Uh, That's what God's doing. You know, Jeremiah said, you know, we think about the appearance, how that God appeared to Moses in a flame of fire. You know how God appears to you sometimes? In a flame of fire. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29, 23, Is not God's word like a fire? Sometimes God appears to you through the word of God. You know how God sometimes appears? The Bible said over in the book of Hebrews, He maketh His ministers a flame of fire, a ministering spirit. Sometimes God appears to you through the Word of God. Sometimes God appears to you through the man of God preaching the Word of God. It was that appearance. I've heard Brother David talk about Herman Richmond, whom I, I knew. Uh, not intimately, but I, I knew him, not personally, but I knew him. He was a good old General Baptist preacher. And uh, I've heard Brother David talk about uh, Brother Richmond preaching something a long time ago. He's been in heaven for years and in the grave, body in the grave, spirit in heaven. But I've heard Brother David talk about uh, a word that he mentioned, something that he said that he still ain't forgot about. You know why? That was a divine, anointed uh, appearance of God. Did you know not everything a preacher says is anointed? Not everything a preacher says uh, is necessarily from God. But every now and then God gives a preacher a word and it's dripping with the anointing of God. Uh, it's sharp and it shoots out and it goes right into the heart and into the soul and into the spirit. Uh, and you can't forget it. It stays with you. I can remember things old man of God said. 50 years ago because it was anointed word 
And so there was the, the appearance of it. He couldn't forget how God appeared to him. And God, when you have these divine encounters, God, uh, he may appear not in the way you think God's going to appear. It's not going to be Jesus coming down riding in the car seat with you. Uh, it, it's not going to be uh, God showing up and you, you seeing God. But he appears to you. Might, might, be in the, might be in the worker out at the hospital. It might be in somebody in the nursing home. It might be in your neighbor next door. It might be in a car wreck you run up on the side of the road. It could be a million ways uh, that God will appear to you. Amen. But you'll never forget the appearance because it's an unusual thing. It was unforgettable because of the way God appeared. It was unforgettable because it was amazing. You say, what do you mean? The Bible said that Moses, he looked and he saw this bush on fire. Now, Moses is on the back side, back 40. Moses is back there, and you've seen pictures in the movies and things of them old, uh, I call them bramble bushes, but them old sage bushes dried up and the wind blowing, rolling them across the desert. And sometimes the desert, would, the heat would get so hot that sometimes them bushes would just burst into flames. It wasn't unusual for Moses to see a burning bush. He's seen them all the time out there in the hot desert as they rolled around and the heat get up to a hundred plus and all at once that dry bush begins to burst into flames. That wasn't what caught Moses' eye. But the Bible said that he saw a bush burning, watch it, and the bush was not consumed. Amen. What was amazing to him was this bush is on fire but it ain't burning up. You know, if you ever get on fire for God, you won't burn up. Amen. Amen. You say, preacher, I've heard them talk about spiritual burnout. What is that? That's backslidden. That don't mean they got so full of God they just burn out. No, sir. That means they got so far away from God and they got so busy doing God's work they forgot about the God of the work. And they quit praying. They quit reading their Bible. And what happened was they burnt plumb out. They burnt plumb out. It can happen, neighbor. It's a reality. Millions in the ministry. It happens to every year. We call it spiritual burnout. I got several books about it in my office up there. You see, God's biggest problem was not how to get these people out of Egypt. That's no problem for God. It wasn't take God no time at all to get him out of Egypt. But it took him 400 years to get Egypt out of them. He said, ain't no problem for God to save us and get us out of Egypt. But it'll take the whole rest of our lifetime of God trying to get Egypt out of us. Amen. So the Bible says that, that Moses, uh, that he saw this and it's an amazing thing. To see what's happening here. Boy, I've seen a few amazing things over 40 years of preaching. I've been in not a lot, but I've just been in a one or two or three services where that God come down. And it was an amazing thing, and, and you try to explain it to somebody the next week. And you get frustrated because you just can't make them see all that God was doing. Amen. It was an amazing thing. You just had to be there to get it. You couldn't tell about it. You couldn't describe it. I have not seen, neither hath entered into the heart of man. What God's done was an amazing thing. It was unforgettable because of the appearance of it. It was unforgettable because it was so amazing that this bush is burning, but it's not burning up. And then, of course, the bush speaking, not the bush, but the God in the bush, was speaking. That's what the Bible says. It says, 
And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Verse 4, when the Lord saw, he turned aside. God, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. God calls to us out of the tragedies and the providences and the things that happen to us in this life. God is calling to us. God is calling to us out at the hospital. God is calling to us out at the funeral home. God is calling to us in hard times and financial times and pandemics. God is calling to us. Amen. Out of these things. Why, who would ever think that God would show up in a pandemic? What kind of place is that for God to show up with churches shut down and people preaching online and, 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 and everybody masked? Uh, what kind of place would that be for God to show up? It'd be an unexpected place. A place where He'd just likely to. Not only it was unforgettable because of the appearance and the amazing thing, but the after effects. Look at what He says there. When the bush burned with fire... The Bible said, and when the bush was not consumed, Moses said, I will now turn. You know what God's trying to get us to do? Turn. Turn or burn. God is, God is trying to get you and me. He's trying to get us to stop and Quit running 90 mile an hour in the wrong direction and God is trying to get us to stop and to turn that we might see God. We might see God. You say, what was the after effects, Brother Rick? Well, first of all, he turned. And then the Bible said God spoke to him. And he said, Moses, Moses. God knew his name. God knows your name. You say, how do you know that? Because my Bible tells me that. It said he knows his sheep and he calls them by name. God knows your name now and God knows what your new name is going to be. Amen. He said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here am I. Good answer. He didn't say, leave me alone. He didn't say, who is this? He said, here I am, Lord. Amen. Good answer. Yeah. It's like Paul on the road to Damascus and, and Paul, the light shined about him and he said, Saul, Saul, why do thou persecute me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? Amen. He said, I'm Jesus. Good answer. It's what Isaiah said when God said, Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me, Lord. What's wrong with me? Man. Good answer. And then Moses, he starts to step in there and draw nigh to God. And God said, Whoa, hold it. God said, Hold it. That ground that you're on is holy ground. Yeah. You say, Where was he at? Israel. Did you know that's a holy place? Did you know that's holy ground over there? Our Lord died over there. His blood spilt on the ground over there. Our Lord's coming back to there. Our Lord's going to rule and reign from over there. That is holy ground. God said, wait a minute, take your shoes off. Why did God say take your shoes off? Because Moses' shoes, his sandals, they weren't Murphy Johnson's like these. But Moses' sandals, they were just like that. You know what's on the bottom of that? Dirt. And God was saying, don't bring that dirt in here to where I am because I'm a holy God and this is holy ground. Amen. 
That's why when we approach God, we need to get rid of all the dirt. Come clean with God. Amen. The Bible said that those were the after effects of, of uh, Moses there. And God said, uh, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And the after effect was that Moses hid his face. He's afraid to look at God. What is Moses now? He's a nobody. What is Moses now? He's reverencing the holiness of God. What is Moses doing now? Moses is hiding his face from God because he does not feel worthy to be in the presence of God. Do you know when you are worthy to be in the presence of God is when you feel unworthy to be in the presence of God. And I think in our kind of a day, people feel worthy of salvation. They, they feel like they're doing God a favor to show up on a Sunday morning or Sunday night or two times during a revival. They feel like they're doing God a favor. No, sir. You and I tonight, we need to be like Moses. Moses was saying, Lord, you don't see much of this anymore. Used to you'd see preachers and singers and and just, uh, just good people in the church, and they'd stand up and they'd testify of what a low-down sinner they was and how sorry they was. And They didn't feel worthy to play the piano. They didn't feel worthy to play a guitar. They didn't feel worthy to preach God's Word. You see, they had a more of a God-like attitude back then than they do now. Amen. Moses felt unworthy. So... Moses had a divine encounter with God. It was unexpected. Moses has a divine encounter with God. It was unforgettable. But Moses has a divine encounter with God, and it's simply undeniable. Nobody could deny that Moses, something had happened to him. You know, if you have an encounter with God and you get saved, you go back to work the next day, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody didn't come up to you and say, what happened to you? What's going on with you? You're not, you're not acting like yourself. Well, that's because that you've been with God. And you see, ever who you hang out with, that's who you become like. That's why the Bible said evil communication, it corrupts good morals. Be careful who you hang around with. You say, I know somebody and they just got a lot of God on them. I bet they're hanging around with God a lot. The Bible said... It was undeniable. You know what Moses said even after he had this experience? Moses said, uh, verse 1 of chapter 4, Moses said, Lord, they will not believe me. They're not going to believe this experience. They're not going to believe that you spoke to me. They're not going to believe that you called me to do this thing. And God said, all right, we'll make believers out of them. Amen. And God said, here's what you do, Moses. He said, what do you got in your hand there? He said, I, I got a rod I use for my sheet and stuff. He said, throw it on the ground. And Moses throwed it on the ground, and that became a serpent. And Moses did the same thing I'd do. He fled. <laughs> he fled from it. The serpent in the Bible is always a picture of the devil. That old serpent, the devil. And when Moses throwed that serpent down, or throwed that rod down, it became a serpent, and he turned and started running from it, and God said, whoa, whoa. Turn around and pick it up. 
Well, if Moses turns around to pick it up, now he's got to be chasing the serpent. And he gets it by the tail and brings it up, and it becomes a rod again. You say, what's that saying? That's saying, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Most of the time, you and I, when we see, we start running the other way. God said, whoa, 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 whoa. God said, turn around, let him do the running. Bob McCurry told me years ago, he said, Brother Rick, somebody asked me if I get nervous when I get up to preach. And he said, I told him I don't get up to get nervous, I get up to make other people nervous. And then God said, take your hand and put it in your bosom. He put his hand in his bosom and God said, take it out. And he took it out and it's leprosy. Oh, Lord. God said, put it back in there again. And he put it back in there and he brought it out. And it was like his other hand. It was like other flesh. And Moses, I think Moses may have been a stutter. Because Moses said, Lord, I'm slow of speech. I can't do it. And God's aggravated at him. God said, all right, I'll send Aaron to talk for you. You don't ever hear Aaron do much talking, do you? Moses was all right. We used to have a preacher in our church, and uh, he couldn't say beans with a mouthful. He'd get to stuttering, but when he'd get to preaching, the Spirit of God would come on him. He wouldn't stutter one bit. He'd preach right through that sermon, wouldn't stutter one bit. You'd go down there and you'd say, Brother, good job preaching tonight. And he'd say, thank, 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 thank. You say, why? Makes a difference when you got God on you. God will take care of all the imperfections that you use for an excuse. And God said it should come to pass if they these two signs. Who wouldn't believe that? But there's some people it's hard to make them believe. God said if they won't believe that sign, neither hearken unto the voice that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry ground and the water which shall take us up out of the river shall become blood on the dry ground. God said I'm going to give you these three signs and they're undeniable that you've been with me. If you've had a divine encounter with God, people may not like you. They may not even believe in you. There's people in this town that didn't like Rick Prophet. They still don't like Rick Prophet. They're not going to like Rick Prophet. But they can't deny the fact that I've been here preaching for 40 years. They can't deny the fact that something happened back there. Because it didn't used to be that way. Somebody said, what happened to Eddie, Eddie Wade? He had a divine encounter with God. And he come into service and he come running through the door. I heard him when he come in. And he come running around into the room where I was at. And he said, Brother Rick, I said, you got saved, didn't you? You say, how did you know it? He'd had a divine encounter with God. You see, Moses had this divine encounter with God. It doesn't say it here, but over in Exodus 34, he has another divine encounter with God. And the Bible says in verse 29, it come to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain that Moses wished not, in other words, he didn't know that the skin of his face shone while he talked unto them. Verse 35, and the children of Israel saw the face of Moses that the skin of Moses' face shone and Moses put a veil over his face. Moses didn't know his face was shining, but everybody else knowed it. There was those signs. There was that shining face. And God said, Moses said, Moses said, Lord, all right. You've answered all that. 
But he said, when I get over there and I tell them God said to let my people go, they're going to say, who told you that? And God said, you tell them, I am. He said, you tell them that I am that I am and that I am has sent me unto you. No wonder Jesus said, I am the bread of life. No wonder Jesus said, I am the light of the world. No wonder Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the bright and the morning star. Who told you to go preach? I am. I am undeniable. And then there was one thing that just proved that God was in it. You say, what was that? Look at verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that, thou should, that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? God said, Moses, I've had you on this backside for 40 years. And you're ready now. I've taught you. You're graduating today. And I want you to go back and I want you to lead the children of Israel. I want you to lead those 600 to a million sheep out of Egypt. Unbelievable task. Look at chapter 14 and verse 31. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You say, what are you saying? It's hard to deny it when you're standing on this side of the Red Sea and dead bodies are floating out there everywhere in chariot wheels and horses. It's hard to say that man ain't been with God. It's undeniable. Amen. You see, in this old world that wants you to be a failure, when you succeed as being a mama, when you succeed as being a daddy, when you can succeed as being a church member, when you succeed as being a Sunday school teacher, when you succeed as being a musician, when you succeed as being a song leader, when you succeed in life itself by just being a good Christian. It's hard for the world to say, I don't believe he's been with God. Moses had a fresh divine encounter with God. I think that's what you and I need to seek for in 2021. Father, I thank you tonight for these dear people that have come out tonight when so many have stayed 